0: Welcome into to Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, Cordero Patterson is gonna do something that we haven't seen for a while. Hey, I told you so about the Atlanta Braves from the beginning of the season, and we'll show Chris Lindstrom some love. It's all next, Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Welcome into this Tuesday edition of Hitting Hard with John Chuck. We're here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Don't forget, Hitting Hard is brought to you by Bet Online. Don't forget, you can download us for free on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify and Odyssey. Leave us a five-star review. YouTube.com is where you find our page. Put Locked On Sports Atlanta in the search browser. Hit that subscribe button. Leave us a comment, and don't forget, you can follow me on my Twitter page at jmch3. And now you can find us on Roku and Amazon Fire. How about that? Check us out on those platforms as well. So obviously Cordell Patterson been one of the great stories of the Atlanta Falcons through these first few weeks of the season as very interesting that coming to Mercedes-Benz Stadium this weekend, you have the number one and number two rushers in the NFL and Nick Chubb and Patterson that are going to be hooking up. And obviously, as it's been a offensive philosophy change for the Falcons, and I've always said this, that look, the Falcons would always be a heavy pass-first team as long as Matt Ryan was the quarterback. That's why he's thrown for 60,000 yards in the league. He's not a turning handoff guy or just kind of, you know, and dunkin'. No, he's a throw-it-first quarterback. So now you have a change in philosophy, power-run team. And obviously, Patterson has been a huge part of that with a couple of monster games under his belt already. For Crabs and giggles, Patterson for the season is on pace for 1,706 yards. Now look, we talked a few weeks ago about the pace of carries. And remember when I broke down for you, the only guys at 31 and older who've even carried the football 300 times, and you've seen his carries sort of moderate out a little bit, right? But at 300 plus yards already, and we're only three weeks into the season and averaging over 300, or uh, sorry, over 100 yards per game, one number that he's going to hit, he's going to run for a 1,000 yards this year. Now, we've talked about this in the past on the show. It's been a while since we've seen that 1,000-yard number, just to give you some idea about how long it's been for the Falcons on certain rushing milestones. The last time anybody ran for a 1,000 yards was Devontae Freeman in 2016 with 1,056 yards. The last time anybody ran for 1,200 yards in a season was Michael Turner in 2011 with 1,340 yards. And the last time anybody ran for 1,500 yards was 2008, Matt's rookie year, Michael Turner's first year here when he went for, how about this number, 1,699 yards, right? They ran their way to a playoffs place. Remember, Matt played just well enough, didn't turn the football over made a play here, made a play there. Remember his first pass ever was a touchdown to Michael Jenkins and all that. But Turner was magnificent that year, 1699. I think he had 17 touchdowns that year. So we haven't had very many thousand yard seasons of note for the Atlanta Falcons, especially even over the last few years. Again, the Super Bowl year is the last time anybody broke a thousand. Remember, Devontae Freeman went for a thousand yards in back-to-back years, He was 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns in 15 and 16 when we were certainly incorporating the run more. And obviously our offense was really clicking, right? You know, 16 is the Super Bowl year. So let's give Patterson some credit. I don't know what his final numbers are going to be. I don't know what his final carries. The thing I'm most interested in about Cordell Patterson is I want to see how much they give him the football because I want to see too how much they, Continue to push Patterson, but also continue to push Tyler Algier. And you saw his first game got ten carries. I think last week he got five or six carries in the game. And and I expect I expect Algier's production to go up and up and up. I, I think that you're seeing this transition, and we'll talk about their offensive line a little bit later on in the show today. But you're seeing that transition now. Look, do I expect Patterson to run it three hundred times? No. I mean, that would literally be twice as many times as he ran it last year. And and I don't think they're going to just, in, in the NFL and today with running backs, okay, and we saw this great examples, Todd Gurley, right? If you draft a running back high out of college, say you draft a first round running back out of college, the theory and the mindset is you run that guy into the ground until there's nothing left on, until he's got bloody stumps for legs, right? If that's three years, four years, two years, five years, whatever it is, you run that guy into the ground until there's nothing left of him. You grind him into powder. I don't think with a 31-year-old running back that they brought in to be a feature point of their offense that they're going to have the same mindset. They're going to squeeze every carry that they can out of Patterson. That's why I think he'll be in the 200 range, You know, maybe 10, 20 carries above that, but I don't think he'll even get to 250 because they'll mix in Algier at that point. But let's give him a little bit of love that he is going to run for 1,000 yards this year, barring any unforeseen extended injury, right? He's averaging 100 yards per game. And look, I understand in today's NFL, in a 17-game season, 1,000 yards is basically what? 60 yards a game or what have you? I understand that it's not some milestone. But for a team that has been so stagnant in the run for the last handful of years, remember, this was the, I think, second to worst rushing team in the NFL last year. They've been one of the worst rushing attacks in the league over the last handful of years. The fact that we have a guy that we feature, the fact that we have a guy that will go for 1,000 yards, I'm more interested to see at the end of the year what Tyler Algier's number is. Can that number be three to 400 yards? Because I think that would be pretty significant. If you told me Tyler Algier could get me three, 400 yards this year, that'd be a pretty good season for Algier. I'd take that because that's really something to build on going into next year. But obviously Patterson has been outstanding. You know, obviously in the Saints game and the game last week, he really controlled it. And as the fact, look, we've talked about this is gonna be a much more simplistic offense. It's simple. You control the line of scrimmage on both sides of the football and you run the football effectively. And sometimes running the football effectively isn't about getting off 10, 8 yard chunk runs. It's about on third and two, being able to line up and convert and move the chains. That's running the football effectively. So, and running the football in the red zone. And you saw the 17-yard touchdown run that he had running the football in the red zone. Be able to pick up first downs on short yardage on third down. Be able to run it, you know, in the end zone when you're in short yardage down by the goal line, right? That's the things that we haven't seen out of the Atlanta Falcons offense over the last handful of years. So I'm cool and I like the idea that we're a run team because as the season goes on, to use a quote from my buddy Hugh Douglas, okay, as the season moves on and the beat up factor comes into play, guys will start to make business decisions. When that weather gets cold and it gets to be late November and you've played whatever, 10, 12, 14 games or whatever, you know, as you get moved through the season, right? Guys start to make business decisions. Guys start to not want to take you head on. Guys start to not want to line up head on at you and take that on. So I think that this is going to pay dividends further down the stretch as the season moves along. And this is what the philosophy is. That's why it's so important for their offensive line to continue to play well. So good for Patterson. He's going to run for a thousand yards this year. That's a number that I didn't think we'd have a thousand yard runner this year. I will fully admit before the season started, I thought Patterson could be in that eight to 900 range. I thought Todd Gurley a couple of years ago was going to be a 1,000-yard runner, but that didn't pan itself out. So let's give Patterson some love. Is he going to run for 1,700? Probably not. Will he run for at least 1,000? Probably. And I expect him to be somewhere probably at least in the 1,200 range. So we'll see what goes from there. And let me talk about my friends over at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your sports wagering information. Look, Thursday night football is coming up a couple of nights. College football back at it. We're moving right along in the football season. Oh, yeah. Eight, nine, ten games of baseball in the regular season. Massive games coming, up, especially for the Atlanta Braves, right? Coming up, you know, when we get into next week, man, you got that massive series against the Mets. You want to be in on the action, the best place to go to be a smarter better is betonline.net. So take that mobile device that you've got very simply in the palm of your hand, go to betonline.net today. Esports, betting, podcasts, stats, anything that you need to be a smarter better is all available to you at betonline.net. Head there today, get all the information that you need to make smarter decisions in your sports wagering information. Betonline.net is where the action starts. So let's go back in time a little bit. We've been revisiting past time and all that kind of stuff here lately on the show. Let's go back, and I, and I went back and looked at it. Let's go back to April 6th of 2022. So let's go back to April of this year. And you can go back, if you go to youtube.com, you can get Locked on Sports Atlanta and go back in the archives of my shows, and you can watch this particular segment. I gave you two things before, as the season was just first starting what I thought could potentially be records that the Braves broke. One of them I thought could be the run scored record from 2003. Now, again, as I explained, forget the 1888 and and all that. Let's talk 21st century, right? And beyond, okay? That 20th century and moving forward. But the other number that I gave you is I thought that the Braves would set the all-time record for most pitcher strikeouts in a season. And remember we talked about last year, the Braves had 1,417 strikeouts, which was within, what, six strikeouts of the all-time record from 2018? Well, we'll give you a little bit of what I told you so here. The Braves right now sit at 1,489 strikeouts. So they're 66 ahead of the record from 2018. Now, not really surprising, a few things that go along with this, because here's the other thing too. The Braves have also set the record for their highest strikeouts per nine inning. And by the way, the Braves average 9.73 strikeouts per nine inning. So they average almost 10 strikeouts per game right now. Now, again, this is not, you know, earth shattering or anything like that from the standpoint of baseball's a different game. The strikeout is accepted in today's game, right? It's not a big deal. In the old days of Hank Aaron and Willie Mays and even moving up toward the 70s and 80s, it was a big deal to strike out a hundred times. Remember, Bobby Bobby Bonds, Barry's dad, was always lauded. So was Reggie Jackson. Let's use him instead. Reggie was always lauded about, you know, for as great as he was. Oh, he struck out way too much. Well, every team in the league would take forty homers, hundred RBI, and hundred and fifty strikeouts today because that's just the nature of the game. So the game has changed. Guys are willing to accept the strikeout and things like that. But then it's not just the Strider factor, because that's the other thing too. Nobody saw a 200 strikeout pitcher in Spencer Strider coming along and doing the things that he did, right? And it's whatever, 13 strikeouts per nine innings. It's a staggering number that he's got out there. And, you know, we probably could have expected. Charlie Morton, he's over 200 strikeouts again. He was 200 strikeouts last season. He's been 200 strikeouts. I think this is the fourth or fifth time in his career that he's had 200 strikeouts. We could have understand that. But if you also look too, look, Max Freed is eight strikeouts away from setting his personal high. He's sitting at 167 strikeouts. 173 is his career high. So if he gets another, uh, I guess, seven strikeouts, I should say. If he gets another seven strikeouts. He'll set a career high, but obviously also Kyle Wright coming in with 171 strikeouts. So he won't make enough starts to get to 200. But nobody saw 200 from Strider. 100, let's say 180 from uh, Kyle Wright. So you know, look, that record and and that record could even fall again next year. You know why? Because Strider's going to get a whole season to start, Wright's a year better, Freed's a year better, right? And 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 you're going to mix in some of the young guys. We'll see what happens with Morton and your bullpen. You know the Mat Six and even joke if you will, but even the Luke Jacksons and guys of the world, they strike out a whole bunch of guys. And you haven't had Luke this year. So again, not surprised at all. I thought this was one of the easy records for a season for the Braves. And and I'm going to. When we get to April 6th of next year, actually probably end of March, early April, when the season starts, because we'll be back on a normal calendar next year, I'm probably going to predict that the Braves will break that record again because of the nature of baseball and look at the guys that they mix in. Look at having Freed, Wright, Strider, maybe Morton, but obviously a full season of Massick, probably Luke Jackson, maybe Jansen is here, maybe he's not. I don't know. We'll see what happens. You know, obviously with the guys they have in their bullpen, big strikeout arms, because that's what you have to have in today's baseball world. And that's why when this team gets to the playoffs, that's why this starting rotation to me feels even better than it did last year. And Ian Anderson was magnificent in the playoffs last year. But when you look at Freed, Wright, Strider, Morton, those guys create a lot of outs with no contact. And when you're talking about postseason baseball, that's what you want in today's game, especially, the, because base runners become what I want to say so amped up, ramped up in the playoffs that when you get a guy on, the game starts to squeeze down. Right, base runners are so valuable in postseason baseball that when you get a guy on, expect, look, look at the Braves lineup. One of the things that's going to give the Braves a huge advantage when the postseason rolls along is when you get Ronnie and Harris and Dansby and these guys on base. Because what is it they can all do? And what have we talked about for the entire season? They can run like the wind. They can run like gazelles around the bases. They can steal bases. You saw Harris got his 20th steal last night. He grabs one more homer. He'll be a 2020 guy. I think Chipper might be the last guy to go 2020. But that's going to play a factor so having guys who can strike guys out and then when you get guys on base who can run those are things that give the braves a big advantage over a lot of teams i understand talent and all this and the other dodgers have been magnificent the mets and all that kind of stuff and everything like that but you're looking for certain things out of your team that they do well you know can can you move runners along can you get a two-odd hit but you know, in postseason baseball, can you motor around the bases? Can can a guy on first base be standing on third with a single to right field? Well, Ronnie, Dansby, here all those guys can do that. Grissom, all those guys can do that. Those are big things. Now I've got a man at third with less than two outs. Sacrifice fly drives him in. I pick up a run, and now you really got, you know, now you go full tilt boogie at that point. So the run scored thing, by the way. You know, they're still in the 750, I believe it's 750 plus runs. I, I anticipate they'll be somewhere in the 800 run scored range. Won't be in the 900. When you look back at the 2003 team, by the way, again, I've talked about this before. Whew, Sheffield, Javi, you know, I mean, Chipper goes out and plays left field. Vinny Castillo third, right? All the guys that they had, them. look at Marcus Giles' season that year. You know, that's Javi's 40 homer, 120 RBI season. Andrew was 30 and 100. Sheffield was 330 with 35 and 100 out in right field. All right, that, that offense was a juggernaut. But they got in the postseason, and what happened? All those bats went silent. Cubs beat them in that short series. Why? Because Pryor and Wood could strike out the world, and that's what they did. Remember that series? That that short series? That's the famous Leo quote. Well, anything can happen in a short series. <laughs> Miss me with all that nonsense. So... This is a record for the Braves that we told you back in April. I'm not surprised. I'm going to predict that they'll do it again next year, given some of the arms. But give the Braves credit. They have a lot of starting pitching that fits into the mold of what you want today's baseball, right? You want guys who can strike guys out. And maybe that's part of Ian Anderson's problem is that, frankly, he doesn't strike out a lot of guys. And he gets too many base runners on which, you know, you can nibble and dibble and dabble and all that kind of stuff, but it's hard to do that now. You need to create outs without contact. And that's where hopefully Strider gets healthy, gets back in. That's where his benefit is going to be. That's why Snitker may decide to pitch him in a game two scenario in a short series. Because you know you can get a lot of outs without contact and you don't put a lot of pressure on your defense. I want to talk about my friends over at Coffee AM. Listen. You know how much I love these folks I drink their coffee every single morning. I want you to head to coffeeam.com backslash locked on. Okay, coffeeam.com backslash locked on. You need coffee, they got everything there. Well, I want K-cups. Cool, you're good to go. Yeah, but I only drink organic coffee. They got all that there. Well, you know, I'd like something with some flavor to it. They got flavored coffee there. Well, I might want some tea. They got that there as well. You know, I could sure use a gift. I got a deal coming up this weekend. They got gift sets there as well. Everything that you need for the coffee lover in your life is available at coffeeam.com, coffeeam.com backslash locked on. Go there today, put together that first order. And when you get to checkout, use the promo code locked on L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, promo code locked on, and you will get 15% off that first order. When you use that promo code locked on at coffeeam.com backslash locked on, go there today, put together that first order, grab that 15%. Get that for the coffee lover in your life. Well, everybody knows that one of my absolute favorite players on the Atlanta Falcons is Chris Lindstrom. And if we go back a couple few months ago, whatever like that. When I talked about this season and what it's going to take to change up the culture of the offense and what has to happen, we talked about the fact that they have to have much, much better offensive line play. And we gave you the great. Remember, we gave you the grades about where Hennessy, where Mayfield, where McGarry all ranked among pass blocking offensive linemen in the entire NFL. And we went through and they had three of the nine worst pass blocking offensive linemen in the NFL. We said, okay, well, one is they're going to run the football a lot more. Let's see if those guys can be better. And then obviously we got some changes. I said, you cannot start Jalen Mayfield and Matt Hennessy together again. That combination can never start again for this team or it's going to be another disaster. So, one of the people that we knew would be fine in this whole thing is their best offensive lineman chris lindstrom now last year if you remember lindstrom didn't give up a sack now i will say he's completely regressed that he's a bum now he gave up a sack so he's been credited with giving up one sack he only has one penalty on the season uh, i think he had four maybe last year maybe it was less than that but again not many penalties And obviously he came in as one of the highest graded offensive linemen in the league at his position. So this season so far in the first three games, when you look at the top five highest graded offensive players, Saints, Rams, Seahawks. He's finished number one against the Saints, number two against Seattle last week because Patterson got a 90 grade, which is an elite level grade. And then he was not in the top five in week two against the Rams. So in two of the three weeks, he's either been the number one or number two highest graded offensive player that they have on the roster. For the season, Chris Lindstrom with his 80.2 grade, 80.2 is his grade. That's the third highest pro football focus grade of any guard in the entirety of the NFL. So we love to chastise and criticize and critique many of the Draft picks that the Falcons have had. Certainly McGarry is one of those guys that, you know, it's up, down, up, down, and one week not bad, the next week, eh, you know, and does some things that make you scratch your head and probably won't be in the Atlanta Falcon next year. But one guy who's going to get his contract extension and be here for the long term and a play on his fifth-year option next year is Chris Lindstrom. He's been an outstanding find for this football team. And we talk about the idea of Change in philosophy and this, then the other. Well, it really hasn't mattered with Chris Lindstrom, whether he's been having a pass block, whether he's had a run block. You know, it hasn't mattered that much to Chris Lindstrom. He's been the one bedrock on your offensive line. And why that is so important? Let's talk about the center position for just a minute. Remember when I told you before, long as we were into summer and train camp, that no matter what happened at center, I always believed that it's the Spider-Man meme at center, right? It, it, you know the two Spider-Mans that point at one another because they're the same guy, right? Uh, you're me, you're you, I'm you, you're me. Okay, that's Hennessy and Dolman. Of the 44 qualified centers in the NFL with a pro football focus grade, Dolman is 40th right now. Let me repeat that. Of the 44 qualified centers in the NFL, Dolman is 40th in the league. Now think about that. Think about how many teams that there are. Last I looked, could be wrong. Maybe the league's expanded in the last 10 minutes. There aren't 40 teams in the league. So he's the 40th graded center, as it is. Even more reason why it's been so important, the job that Lindstrom and Wilkinson and even uh, Gossett has done in, in stabilizing this offensive line. You know, I'm watching Dolman, by the way, too. He's got to fix his snapping. And that's one of the things that's starting to also become concerning. Is he already snap had a snap that went in the pits that was, you know, about a turnover. And then you're watching Mariota, he's like having to bend down, like it's a shortstop, you know, to field the ball. At least at least we're not quite at Mike Person James Stone level of remember that back in whatever that was, maybe um 14, 15, or maybe 17. But when those two guys were playing center and Matt literally had to play with a shortstop glove on his hand, he had to, he had to play with a baseball mitt on his hand to feel the ball coming off the turf because it was bouncing off the turf at him in shotgun. We're not quite at that level yet, but this relays the importance of how important it is to get your offensive line fixed. Because Dolman right now is not good, but Lindstrom is terrific. And in pro football-focused terms, for those that are not familiar, okay, a one-week grade of 80 is good, but it doesn't mean life-changing or anything like that. But if you have 17 games and you average out to an 80 or above in the league, you're one of the top players. You may not be the elite of the elite, but again, right now there's only two guards in the league that grade out higher than what Chris Lindstrom does, but 80 puts you into that upper, upper tier of top guards. And if Lindstrom plays like this for the whole year, he'll be a pro bowler this year. There won't be much doubt about it. He probably could have made a case last year that he should have been in the pro bowl. The fact that he only gave up whatever it was three or four penalties and he had no sacks that were credited to him. Should have probably been a pro bowl last year. But if he plays like this this year, I think he's going to get look at the pro bowl, whatever the pro bowl becomes, by the way, that's a whole nother thing. It's going to be flag football. It's going to be whatever, throwing darts or, you know, hand grenades or I don't even know what at this point the the Pro Bowl ridiculousness is, is going to be. So separate topic for another day, you know, out there. But Lindstrom has been that bedrock on the offensive line. And while you still have issues at center and while you still have some questions about what McGarry is or is not going to be this year. And I do expect, by the way, I know Miles Garrett had the car wreck, but he's out of the hospital. He was swerving to avoid an animal. His car did flip multiple times, but he's okay. He's out of the hospital. He's recovering. I do expect him to play on Sunday, and I expect him and Clowney are going to line up on Sunday, and it's going to be a handful for Jake Matthews and Caleb McGarry. But at least you know and at least you feel like you've got one of those bedrocks on your offensive line. At least you feel good about it. You're going to try to run it between the tackles. We can go right behind that guy, right? We can run right behind Lindstrom and he's going to get it done for us. So I know my buddy Hugh Douglas likes to joke about that Lindstrom is just a guy or he's the the best of the worst or whatever like that. No, Lindstrom's a high level player. Lindstrom is a high caliber, high level player. You can't dumb your way into being one of the top three guards graded out in the league. You can't dumb your way into an 80 grade if you play a whole season at that level. You can't just kind of luck your way into that because you're bound to have a mistake here mistake there, and especially when you've got guys that are, you know, in the middle and on the outside of you that aren't so good. So the interior guards for Falcons this year, Wilkinson's been really good. Gossett did a good job last week. when know Lindstrom is outstanding. And we talked about if you're going to change up your offense and you're going to have success and you want to run the football better, everything about this offense had to start with improvements on the offensive line. And Lindstrom is taking that next step forward. He's going to get the big money contract. I think he's on track to be a pro bowler this season. Everything that you would want to see about Lindstrom as he heads toward his fifth year on his rookie contract is all arrow pointed upward. The offensive line is arrow pointed upward, right? And Elijah Wilkinson, believe it or not, as crazy as it sounds, he's been a pleasant surprise. It reminds you that, Jalen Mayfield, we may talk about him later in the week, reminds you how bad Jalen Mayfield was. And it also gives you, you know, a, a little bit of wiping the sweat off your brow as to how good Lindstrom was. Because if that draft had not worked out, if McGary and Lindstrom had played the same as what we've gotten, you know, you'd be having to put some high capital into your offense line. So let's show a little love to Lindstrom. He's the number three graded out guard in the entirety of the NFL. All right. we thank you so much for making Hitting Hard with John Trucker your first listen every day. Make ATL Day 1s your second listen every day. My friends Jarvis Davis, Tanitra Batiste talking about all things in the heart of the city of Atlanta. We want you to head to youtube.com, put Locked on Sports Atlanta in the search browser, hit that subscribe button, leave us a comment. We are free and available on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify and Odyssey. Download us for free. Leave us a five-star review. Find us, by the way, roku and amazon fire yes we are on those platforms check us out there and then give me a follow at jfch316 we'll be back for a hump day edition this has been hitting hard with john chuckery locked on sports atlanta hey prime members